All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Man, we're already halfway through the show. Just flies by right now on Sports 1440. It's the Jason Greger Show presented by LayAlberta.ca. And uh, coming up tomorrow, Lotto Max, uh, boys and girls, it's a... it's never a bad thing to try it if you're uh, if you like a little bit of luck. A fifty million five zero five zero. Stay within your limits. Get your tickets. Be lucky. That would be great. So, I'm Jason Greger. He's Connor Halley. Let's get around the NHL. Brought to you by McDonald's, and it's back. One of your favorite games. Who doesn't like it? Monopoly. We could talk about, like, what was your favorite Monopoly piece? But, hey, what's your favorite thing to win at Monopoly? They got great prizes. Limited time this month. Get in now. Only at McDonald's as, once again, we are joined by Mike Rupp, former NHLer, Stanley Cup winner, and on uh, the Nation, uh, not Nation Network, uh, the NHL Network, and now also... Penguins analyst. Rupper, how you doing, my man? I'm good, Gregs. Good to be on. Thanks for adjusting this week. I uh, missed yesterday because uh had a had a very important preseason game for a lot of a lot of players all competing for the same roster spots yesterday in Pittsburgh. So that's what I had going on yesterday. 
Um, I saw some of the moves today that go down. Like Pittsburgh, uh, um, man, they made a lot of changes, man. Like six forwards are out, three defense, a goaltender. Like we're talking 10, 11 guys are gone. It is a crazy amount of new faces. Yeah, there's there's a lot of new players. Um, uh, a lot of the biggest thing I think is the competition that is is there in camp. Um, Mike Sullivan's gone on, gone out and said that this has been probably one of the most competitive camps he's had in, in quite some time here in Pittsburgh, and um, that that's good. That's what this team needs. They the area that it wasn't the the top part, the the upper echelons of the lineup that has been an issue for this team. It's been really the bottom six, um, maybe the, the, the depth and de- uh, defense. Uh, goaltending health has been an issue, so that's one thing that, uh, you know, I think they, they, they're they hoping with the addition of Alex Nedeljkovic that they can provide maybe Tristan Jari uh, a little bit more support. And, and the whole thing is Tristan Jari staying healthy. But um, I, I think that this team has now created competition for jobs. Um, there once was a time where I feel like players – we're a little comfortable not feeling like they're ever going to come out of the lineup. And that's, mm-hmm. that's dangerous, you yes. know, and uh, when, when guys get too comfortable. So, I mean, we're seeing some good battles going on and, and I'm watching that game yesterday. Cause remember they had the, the Nova Scotia trip uh, where they pretty much against the Ottawa centers played a lot of, a lot of the big names on the road. So this was a home game where it was pretty much roster spot guys battling, right? There wasn't any stars in the, game last night but i mean i'm watching that game and it, there's a lot of guys that are looking really good in, in the role positions they picked up uh jansen harkins from from winnipeg he looked great and i, I think he's gonna he's gonna be in that bottom six like he's gonna provide them something different uh he got in a little bit of a scrum in the game and got under uh dylan larkin and, and lucas raymond's skin so they need guys like that they don't have that so uh yeah it's a it's a whole new group and uh kind of a whole new feel here in pittsburgh Mike Ruppa joins us. You look at Eric Carlson, like some people wonder, oh man, Chris Letang, because everybody says, well, Burns and Carlson didn't work together. Well, I think it didn't work together, Rupper, for one thing, because they put them both in the power play and they're both right shots. To me, that makes no sense. Um, but number two was, you know what, they're, Pronger and, and Niedemeyer work together just fine. Right? Yeah, yeah Burns and, and uh, Carlson maybe didn't work, but they also didn't have a great team around them either. Pittsburgh, I think, is a more skilled team than what uh, San Jose was with Burns and Carlson together. So what do you make of Latang and Carlson and how it's going to work? Yeah, I mean, well, think about it from this standpoint. And this, uh, that's a great point by you where are, would Burns and Carlson have worked if, I don't know, Crosby was on the ice <laughs> or McDavid was on the ice? You know what I mean? Like those guys can make a lot of different things work. And that's no knock to the guys they were playing with on the power play. But you, you get different options and, and you can get different looks. And, and I think that that's the key thing. So Jake Gensel is going to be out the first um, probably five games of the season, right? So that opens up because Jake will be and is the PP1. Like he's on that and that opens up a spot here. So how are they going to utilize that? It gives them a little bit of time here to see how this plays out. Me personally, I think both those guys on unit one is the way to go. Hmm. Um, We'll have to see how that works because they got Ricard Raquel who can establish himself on kind of that left circle as well. Um, But I I think to the degree where um, you've got Malkin, you've got Crosby out there. I think if you're creative, put it this way, like I've always thought one of the hardest things, and, and I'm going to always judge based off of the best power plays in the league. So in the past, I've looked at Washington Capitals for years were always the best power player, one of them. Their right-left-hand combos were the best. 
because you had Backstrom on the right side of the ice and Kuznetsov on the right side of the ice, two lefties. Well, on the other side of the ice, in the middle, uh, you have Oshie, Carlson up top, and Ovechkin in his spot. So you've got two lefties facing three different one-timers, right? And the seams that were created and, and the great passing ability by Backstrom really opened up a lot. Um, the Pittsburgh has been interesting because they haven't always had the right left-hand, right-hand combos. The only right-hand stick they've had on the power play for years has been Chris Letang, and he's running it. So it's not like he's a shooting option through the seam. Uh, the power play was good when they had Phil Kessel as a right-hand shot, but Phil's not a one. I don't know if Phil can take a one-timer. Like that, That's what's so impressive about Phil Kessel. Like he scored so many goals in this league, and I don't know if I've ever seen him wind up and take a clapper one-timer. Like he catches it, and then he likes to release his, his sneaky shot, right? Um, when I look at Edmonton, Edmonton's power play, what makes it so lethal, obviously Leon and, and, and Connor. And they got a lot of other really good pieces on that, too. And Evan Bouchard, I think, is going to have a monster season uh, on, on that power play and really contribute at an, even another level, I feel. But they, there's so much movement that when you're looking at, say, Leon has the puck, there's times where you see Connor, he disappears. He goes yes. for a skate, and you don't know where he is. So hang with me for a second. I know this is a long-winded answer on it. But you're, you're, when you're looking at Leon Dreisaitl and – He's probably he's second best player in the world, has the puck. So you're going to clearly, your eyes are on him. But now the best player in the world is behind you. You don't know where. So you're looking. You're, you're, your head's on the swivel. You have no, now all of a sudden you can't, you, you've got to be in between. You've got to play center field on some of these plays. And it gives guys time, gives them space. The problem I think with the Penguins in the past has been Crosby and Malkin are on the same side of the ice. And they've, okay. never, had a, they've never had a threat anywhere else for a one-timer. So as a penalty killer, I can stand there. My peripheral, I can have the the best player on the team and the second best player on the team in my sights at all time. That you need to make them guess, yeah. get creative, yeah. send some guys around. You can have the Norris Trophy winning guy, hundred one points. Have him have him patrolling that other side of the ice. I have to honor that. I have to. Um, if not, then then you find them right. So um, I think that's where they're at. It, it, we'll see how it works out. But I, I think you got to do everything you can to see if you can get all five of those guys uh, on the same unit with, with obviously, Latang and, and Carlson on PP1. Yeah, I think order fans, Mike, can really attest. They can visualize what you're talking about because a lot of times McDavid resets in the zone when Drysaddle will take it or Nugent Hopkins, and all of a sudden they curl back up high, and then he comes and attacks with speed on a power play. Like, there's not yeah. many teams that do. Like, they're, they're rarely stationary. They're always moving. You know, they'll have a power play, and sometimes you'll have Drysaddle on the run time the right side for a one-timer and then 30 seconds later him and mcdavid have switched sides and now it's mcdavid on the right side and i'm guessing as a penalty killer you're just like oh my god where are they coming from no and that's it and that's that's where it's at so when you it's it's kind of um movement creates confusion for penalty killers and we're always taught remember anybody that's played the game i mean you, you you're taught this when you're in peewees right like when you're on the ice, even if it's just defensive zone coverage, when you get running around and the other team's moving and they're zipping the puck around and it's a possession game and they're flying around, usually, especially on the PK, you all you shrink and you come closer together because we're always teaching protect the middle of the ice, right? So when you're on the run, like you shrink and you, everybody gets closer on the defending team to each other. Well, you, you're getting closer. That's giving time, space, more ice available to the best players on the other team and that's how Edmondson I think t- takes advantage because they they get you 
so concerned with where everybody is that you shrink and you get close. Now they're going to have a full two minutes of zipping this puck around and taking one tease. Mike Rupp joins us on Sports 1440. Uh, Mike, you mentioned Washington earlier. Like I, I look at the uh, at the Metro and I see New Jersey and Carolina, and I think they're in. The Rangers, I think, are a playoff team, no question. The Islanders, they've made one player change this year. Julian Goche is in, and Zach Parise, who scored 21 goals, is out. It's embarrassing to me that that's what you decide as an organization is the best plan of attack. We're going to come back to the exact same group minus our 121 goal score and think they're going to be better. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh's revamped their entire bottom six, half of their defense, and then their backup goaltender. But the Washington Capitals, Rupper, health is probably their biggest thing. Tom Wilson's healthy. Backstrom's healthy. They're hoping Oshie doesn't miss 25 games. They're hoping John Carlson doesn't miss half the season. But they're older. What, What do you make of the Capitals? I think they're going to be exceptionally better. I think they're going to be pushing for a playoff spot. I don't think they'll be in the top three, but I think they'll compete and push for that at different stages of the season as far as top three in the Metro. Um, So if they get in, I think it's going to be wild card. Um, But to your point, I mean, health was everything last year. When John Carlson went down, this team – this team was a shell of themselves, right? And even with all that being said and all the injuries and – um, you know, Oshie was in and out of the lineup, it seemed like all year. Tom Wilson was a big miss for them and, and, uh, Backstrom. And when you start looking at all these different, these different things, um, Ovi still had 40 goals, right? Like, so I, I think Ovi bounces back with a, another 50 goal season. I think he gets 50 again as he's, um, he's got the, the, the Gretzky record. Uh, I think that's going to pop up probably next, next year in March, right? Like, uh, it was at uh, March of 25. He's going to be kind of closing in on that. So, um, you know, he's, he is, uh, this is, a, this is going to be a team because when I like what they did last year and through those injuries, they learned some things. Dylan Strome looks really good there. Like he's found a spot in that center ice. Um, They've uh, Max Pacioretty. Can he be healthy? Uh, can he stay healthy? Can he add them a little bit of a punch? Uh, this is a team that I love the evaluation by this club last year. That that last year was not their year. They weren't. Uh, they didn't try uh, going for it and, and making a trade to just get into the playoffs. They kind of realized their self evaluation was on point. Yeah. And I think by doing that, it set them up nicely for this year. Uh, they're going to be, I think they're going to be a good team. I think they're going to be a team that pushes. And, and to your thing with the, the Islanders, I, while you're saying that, if we were to rewind the clocks a calendar year, you, the, the, everything you just said was what was said last summer. Yes. You know what I mean? So they haven't done anything for a couple years now, but this is Lou Lamarillo. That's what he does. Yeah. Like I had him in New Jersey. He is loyal loyal to the guys he believes in. He believes in that group. And everybody I've talked to there says that is a special group. Like we believe. So I don't know if they're still, you know, hanging on to those two back to back Eastern conference finals. I, I don't see it there. The thing they do have going, they probably have the currently best playing goalie in the world. Yeah. Ilyas Roken is that good right now. I mean, he may have passed um, Igor Shosturkin in my books or is right there with him. Um, but they, that's, does, is that masking this? Is this team, they squeaked in last year, but I mean, I, I just, I agree. I, they haven't done anything. I, I just don't think they're going to be a playoff team this year. You know what, Rob? It was interesting listening to talk. Oh, they're a close team. I used to hear that about the orders all the time in the early 2000s. Ah, they're really tight. Everybody loves each other. Yeah. And they weren't competitive. So, uh, I, and here's the thing about the Islanders. They might love each other, 
but they might have to look at each other and say, we got to figure out a power play. Because in today's yeah. NHL, you can't be that inept on the power play where offense reigns and think you're going to have a chance. To and I don't think you can win in Lou's style of defense first. It just doesn't. I, I, I went back over the last four years in the NHL, Rupper, and teams with the top 10 in points, seven of them were top 10 in goals for. And only three were top 10 overall in goals against. Offense still, uh, you need it. And the Islanders, they haven't had it for a while. Again, I almost feel like, I mean, they're, I, I like their decor. When I look at that decor, like, I like that decor. Like, it's a good, yeah. I, you're talking team de- defense. I, yeah. I, I understand that, but I'm saying their decor is good. So I guess here's my point. Like, to have play a lockdown style, don't you normally need to do that when you're trying to prop up your decor? Right. Yeah. You, well, you shouldn't exactly. have to. You don't need to prop it up. Like yes. that's a good decor. Good point. So, so like, if you have a good decor, that should give you the luxury of cheating for offense a little bit more because mm-hmm. you can make up for the the, the losses of that. Right. So, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, that's that's an area. I mean, they've got Noah Dobson. He he's he's good. I mean, when you've got some pieces on that power play, he he is a power play guy. He can do a lot of different things for you. Matt Barzell. Um, let me let me park Matt Barzell for a second. Uh, Brock Nelson is uh, he, he's uh, Brock Nelson's their best goal scorer, and he could do some some different things. They're a slow team, but then you got Matt Barzell, who's not slow. He is creative. Uh, I find that I don't know. I don't know if Matt Barzell is going to be able to drive offense consistently. And I don't know if it's because of that system. I don't know if it's because other guys aren't allowed to play with them a certain way, but it feels almost like you're wasting a pretty talented player there. And I, there needs to be a way to free that up. That power play is horrendous. And I don't understand why it's horrendous. You know what I'm saying? Like it, they, they have some pieces on it. Um, there's some there's some power plays in this league that do much better than them with with a lot less. Um, so, yeah, these things uh, they got to be figured out because it's a, it's a team now. And I almost go back to thinking about uh, this came up the other day. It, it, you have some goaltenders that are so good and play so good that I think it almost hurts the team in this regard. That the evaluation of where the team's at is yes. incorrect. Fair. It's incorrect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think of like when Corey Schneider was in Jersey for a couple years there, New Jersey was a terrible hockey club at those. And, and, and they weren't even necessarily making the playoffs, but Corey Schneider like made them somewhat close to it. Cause Corey was playing really well. Yeah. Like it almost like, you know, I think that that's a mistake. I think with Lou Lamarillo, like once Marty, Ber- Marty Berdour was done, that team was not good. Let them bomb out for a year or two <laughs> yeah. like you need to rebuild it and they he went and he believed in and, you know Corey schneider got got him in there and, and they kind of muddied that yeah. Ilya sorokin like you're not going to like get rid of Ilya sorokin because of that but i think i think it's given them a false sense of who they are and i i don't i don't think they're a playoff team yeah i'm with you robert great stuff man always good to see you we will chat with you again next wednesday have a good one yeah you too buddy that is uh mike rupp from the NHL Network, also an analyst for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's Around the NHL, brought to you by McDonald's. Monopoly is back. Try it today at McDonald's. Uh, when we come back, oh, it's only been 24 hours. Still a fresh scar. The, the wound is still fresh. We'll try not to throw salt in it, but I, I, it might be unavoidable. Next, on the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca, live on Sports 1440 and Orders Nation YouTube. We continue on Thursday. Ooh, that was a good song. 
unfortunately, they won't get to play it for a few months as the uh, Jays got swept by the Twins. And oof, there's lots of questions surrounding the Jays right now. Obviously, the decision to Yank Berrios, some of the uh, base running blunders, uh, their inability to get a clutch hit at a key time. So uh, lots of things to discuss as we get to our big guest of the day brought to you by Silent Ride's Charter Company, one of Alberta's premier bus charter companies with state-of-the-art motor coaches that will safely take your team or group to the next destination. Book your next ride at silentrides.ca as uh, we are joined by uh, Mike Wilner, uh, Jay's reporter. And uh, Mike, uh, man, you've seen uh, tough losses over the years. And uh, that one yesterday, the decision in the fourth inning will be talked about for a long time. My question to you is, Mike, do you think you will get a clear answer as to whose decision it was and the reason behind it? Well, I know the reason behind it. A clear answer as to whose final say decision it was, we'll never get because it was a decision of 14 people, 12 people, 132 people, however many people uh, it is in the Blue Jays analytics department. And I hate to use the word analytics because I know some people see it as this huge, dirty word and ruining sports when it really isn't all it is is just information but the way it's being used and the way we saw it used last night really um flies in the face of the human element of the game and you know it certainly was not john schneider's decision you could see how upset he was in the post game news conference but for those people saying well you know what he should have a spine and say no well sure say no and then go looking for a job next week right that's that's not the deal a manager in 2023 in the major league is there to implement the plan of the front office and that's what he did um but yeah the 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 idea the idea is right when it comes down to it is eliminate Minnesota's left-handed hitters early in the game to gain the platoon advantage later in the game for your big right-handed relief pitchers to have less of a problem getting them out. That's smart. What's not smart is putting that plan in place, putting that plan in motion regardless of what's going on in the game. And what was going on in the game was that nobody was touching Jose Barrios. He had incredible stuff. He allowed one ball hit in the air in the first 13 batters he faced. The only, I think, 13 batters he faced uh, might have been 12. Uh, he had five strikeouts. He was on his game, and he was pitching as well as we'd seen him pitch all year. Add to that the fact it's in Minnesota where he started his career, uh, the big crowd, the stakes of the game. Yep. You know, there's no reason to take him out other than, oh, right, this is what we said we were going to do, so we're going to do it. 
Mike, uh, last season, everybody knows the uh, the collapse they had. They had a big lead, and then they blew it in, in game two. And that can be a learning experience. It happens in a lot of sports. Uh, you know, learning to win's hard. Learning to know how to keep your composure, make the right decisions at key times. That's all part of being a champion. You don't just luck your way in to championships. Um, in two games, the Jays had two pretty big uh, base running gaffes. Um, I, I didn't like the decision uh, by Bo to go at that point. I didn't. I, I thought it was way too risky. And then Vladdy Guerrero with a runner ahead of him. You, just, you can't get picked off there. there. There's no reason to get picked off there. They're you know two of their better players, arguably their two best players. Um, is maturity might like? Does there need to be a a heightened sense of a you know what stop trying to do everything ourselves or just understanding the moment from their young guys and who aren't that young anymore moving forward yes and no um i mean watching Bo try to score on that ground ball that got under jorge polanco at third in the moment at the ballpark i thought that's a great play good for him he's gonna score there and he thought the same thing. He thought he was going to score, and that's why he did it. He didn't score. Carlos Correa made a fantastic play. He came almost all the way from second base to pick up that ball barehanded and made a perfect throw home to get Bichette. But at the time it was happening, I thought he was going to score, and I thought it was the right move. So I'm not taking anything okay. away from Bo Bichette for that. Vladdy... There, you know, you're right. It can't happen. You can't get picked off for the runner when you're in scoring position. You just can't. And you can't take the bat out of your best hitter's hand, yes. which is what they did. It was Bo Bichette at the plate. Sure, it was two out, but a single there tied the game. Um, but there was an extenuating. Oh. There was an extenuating circumstance. If I finish his uh, phrase, we'll uh, try to get him back, see what's up there. But um, I, yeah, I'm curious now what the extenuating circumstances because there's just there's no rhyme or reason for Vladdy to get picked off there. Like he wasn't stealing third, right? So wait till the pitch if you want to get a bigger lead. Just wait till the pitch, and then you get your extra step or two. That's not a that's not a huge deal. So um, now. Who knows if he's not picked off? Do they get a hit there? They need a hit, obviously, and and that was something. I, when we get Mike back, I, I want to hear what his end of the comment was there. But also, the uh, Jays and Mike is now back with it. Mike, what was the extenuating circumstances? Your phone just cut out there. Yeah, for the call just dropped. Sorry about that. I'm wandering around Buffalo right now, uh, on my way home from Minneapolis. Uh, the extenuating circumstance was the crowd and how loud it was. Okay. Um, Kevin Kiermaier pointed it out after the game. Sonny Gray pointed it out after the game. Sonny Gray, who was the pitcher who picked Vladdy off, said he knew that Vlad couldn't hear the third base coach and wouldn't be able to hear him telling him to get back. So that gave them that little opportunity to get him. Now, you still got to be extra careful. You still can't leave yourself far enough away from the bag that they're going to be able to get you. you. You just can't. But it was so loud in there, and credit to the Twins fans, I guess. It was so loud in there that Vladdy didn't get any help on the way back. Mike Wilner joins us uh, talking uh, Toronto Blue Jays. So, Mike, you look at the offseason, 
I, I see a lot of people, oh, you got to get rid of Schneider. You got to get rid of Schneider. I'm like, well, if it's not his decision to pull out Barrios, I'm like, now I'm not saying he makes every right decision, but my question is, how much input does the manager have if he can't make that decision in the key moment? Same as any manager has, right? Uh, the man, the, you know, there, there were a lot of people who said to me last night in the moment, well, why have a manager then? Well, because someone has to run the game and the manager is there to implement the plan of the front office. You know, I, I, I like a manager to have some autonomy to have some feel for the game, absolutely, and to be able to use that over the course of a ball game. But also, I never really was a fan of the front office putting a team together and then telling the manager, okay, they're yours now, do whatever you want, we're not going to say anything. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's the way it used to work. That's not the way it should work. The people who put the team together should have some sort of an impact on how that team is used. Um, you know, wholly apart from the way that the Blue Jays have been getting way too cute and trying to be the smartest people in the room for the last four years. But that's what a manager does now. A manager is there to implement the plan of the front office. And that's the job for everybody. Maybe not Dusty Baker, uh, but he would be just about the only one. And that, that breed of manager, there are no John Gibbons anymore. Um, and it's no wonder he's not managing around here anymore. Um, you got to be, you got to manage up as much as you manage down. And a lot of the major decisions are planned ahead of time and are really out of your hands. Okay. So if that's the case, and I like what you said, how the Jays think they're the smartest ones in the room. So up higher than John Schneider, does there need to be a change or does there just simply need to be a change in philosophy and take a step back and not think that you know everything? Well, I mean that would be nice, right? Uh, but uh, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a change above John Schneider. It feels to me like Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins are very much uh, peas in a pod, very much connected. And as long as Shapiro's here, Atkins will be here too. Okay. Uh, you can't fire Schneider for doing what you told him to do. It would also be a second manager fired in as many years, which is just, I mean. You can't because then it's like, well, what the hell are you doing? Why are yeah. you hiring these people that you have to fire the next year every time? So I, I, you know, I think the hitting coaches will change. We know Luis Rivera is retiring at third base, um, and if there is a shakeup in the back offices where the, uh, you know, the kids with the MBAs and the binders are working, we'll never really know about it or never know who did what or, or came up with what. But hopefully the lesson is learned that, you know, play the game. Yeah. Don't, don't try to find these back-channel ways of winning that nobody else can figure out. And maybe because other people figured them out and decided that the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, you yeah, know? it doesn't work. Uh, they, they did it in 2020. They did it this year. It didn't work either time. So let's, uh, you know, try to get every edge you can possibly get. But remember that this game is played by humans. And as much as you're plotting potential events and you want to cover all your bases and you want to make sure that you're looking at every potential scenario that might happen, remember that the lefty who holds left-handed batters to a 263 
on base percentage is going to put them on base one out of every four times, right? And and the the differences are so minute. I'm not saying throw out numbers completely, but there is another way to look at it. And, you know, we learned it in Bull Durham, for those of us yes. who remember that movie, yes. right? Yeah. The difference between a 250 hitter and a 300 hitter is one hit a week. And we put so much stock into this guy's got a – 310 on base and this guy's got a 370 on base and how much better that one guy is with the 370 but in 500 plate appearances over the course of a year the guy with the 370 on base is going to reach base 30 more times than the guy with the 310 which is basically once a week and i think remembering that is kind of important you know, your lefty killer's not going to get the lefty out every time. Your lefty masher isn't going to get a hit against that lefty more than half the time. And you can't really be plotting out a game like like that, like you're dealing with certainties. What about the Jays' inability to hit the high heater this year? Like, you know, we saw it was very fit in the eighth and ninth inning. You see the strikeout, especially in the ninth inning. And, and that was an, an issue. Like, is that a is that an approach that has to change what, what do you feel that was such a struggle for them this year? I don't know that it was such a struggle. I mean, it was for David Schneider because those pitches that he wasn't hitting were called balls in AAA, and I'm sure it took a while for him to adjust to the difference, and, and he you know, didn't he ran out of runway for that. Uh, Brandon Belt had all kinds of trouble hitting high fastballs early in the season, and by the end of the season, he hit him out of the ballpark. Um, I, I think there's, you know, variation. This was a very roller coastery year for the Blue Jays. And things didn't work for a while. Then they worked. Then they didn't work for a while. You know, how how long do we talk about how they were abysmal at hitting in runners in scoring position? And there were people who used that word, too, inability. This team was had an inability to hit with runners in scoring position. But they didn't because for the last two months of the season, they were the best team in the league at hitting with runners in scoring position. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, baseball is, is, has never been meant to be a game where every single game is analyzed to death. A season has to be allowed to breathe and trends will establish. And generally the things that are actually – you know, repeatable will wind up being repeatable. But okay. the things that aren't, they can vary wildly over the course of a season. And, and I don't think a lot of people are willing to uh, allow themselves to understand that. Lastly, uh, Alex Manoa, where do they go from here with him? Alex Manoa, I assume, is going to come to spring training next year. We'll see what happens. You know, I... I, I I can't imagine that the relationship between Manoa and the team is fractured beyond repair because they control him for another four years. He's, you know, they're, they're certainly not going to trade him for pennies on the dollar. So he's stuck there for at least a while. And it's in his best interest, both competitively and financially, to pitch as well as he possibly can uh, until, you know, if it's so, if the relationship is so terrible, then until such point in time where he can force his way out, which is, you know, after the 2027 season. So I think that uh, that we're going to see an Alec Manoa 
with a lot to prove in spring training this year. And we're going to see an Alec Manoa, uh, who the Blue Jays owe nothing to uh, next year, and it'll be very interesting. You know, this guy has been an elite performer for the entirety of his professional career, yes. except for four months this season. And uh, I'm really interested to see how it shakes out. And I lied one other one. Uh, Vladdy Guerrero, by his standards, the season wasn't great. You look at his OPS, his base percent, but like he still led the team in home runs. He still led the team in RBIs, Mike. Like, he wasn't awful. I know he was below his standards, but what did you see for Vladdy? And are, are there, what are the small things that are little tweaks for him to get him back to where he was? I mean, I saw a guy who, if you look at the – the the you know base numbers how hard he hits the ball where he hits the ball how often he hits the ball hard how it's coming off his bat those numbers are all elite all of them the ball just didn't go as far as it used to okay. and i don't know what that is because you would expect you know if he's hitting it as hard at the same angle it's going to go as far but that was another one of those real mysteries of Rogers Center this year. It didn't happen just to Vlad. There were so many balls hit where you think that's gone and it didn't even get to the warning track. Hmm. And as he struggled to begin the season, you know, that sort of thing builds on itself because he's someone who will put a lot of pressure on himself to be that guy who hit 48 homers a couple of years ago, to be the big scary bat who everybody's afraid of. And it just wasn't happening this year for some reason or another. And then, um, you know, he's trying so hard to get out of it that he's making it worse, and then he pops out of it for a little while. And then, um, you know, he got a, a huge double in the seventh inning or the eighth inning on Tuesday night to yeah. get the, try to get the Blue Jays' offense going and bring the tying run to the plate. Um, but it didn't happen. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think this is just... You know, one of those things, we like to think we know everything and we like to think that we can break down everything and that something is going to give us a hint. But ultimately, what we love to forget about elite level professional athletes is that they're human and who knows what could be going on. And, you know, did did Hank Aaron have the same year every year? Did Joe Carter have the same year every year? Did Babe Ruth have the same year every year? No. Sometimes they hit, you know, 57 home runs. Well, not not the other two, just Babe Ruth. <laughs> Sometimes they they hit 32. You know, it, it, it it's you're you're not gonna. I know we all want we all want what we want, and we want it right away, and we want it to be exactly the same every time if we like it. But that's not the way life works, and it's not the way sports works. As long as you're gonna have it played by human beings. You're going to have a crappy year every once in a while. And for him to have a crappy year and still be 13% better than the average major league hitter and still lead his team and runs batted in, I think, by 30 and in home runs by uh, five or six, um, that's a pretty good bad year. Yeah, it's true. Mike, great stuff, man. Good to catch up with you again. Appreciate your time. Anytime. Thanks. That is uh, Mike Wilner, longtime uh, beat reporter for the Toronto Blue Jays, former uh, broadcaster and analyst as well. We'll come back. we got uh, five questions. Gregor Halley with you on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca on Sports 1440 and the Orders Nation YouTube. Well. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What's going to happen tonight? Hey. No, uh, no baseball. All sweeps in the uh, first round. So uh, MLB playoffs will get going on Saturday. So today and Friday off. And then they uh, get going on Saturday. ALDS. NLDS. They're down to now uh, eight teams. Should be fun. Of course, uh, this weekend will also wrap up the NHL preseason. Thank you. It's been enough. Eight games. Thanks, but no thanks. Can't wait for the regular season to begin on Tuesday. Three games. And then, of course, the orders will begin their season Wednesday in Vancouver against the Vancouver Canucks. Let's get to five questions now brought to you by the Brick. Tomorrow for one day only. It's the Brick's Midnight Madness Sale. Stores are closed all day to prepare to give you the limited time open from 5 p.m. to midnight. That is tomorrow. So if you're looking for unreal deals, plan ahead at the Brick and the Brick.com. It's time for five questions on the Jason Greger Show. All right, Greger, question number one. Jay Woodcroft heading into his second full season as the bench boss for the Oilers. In his time with the club, which area do you think he has grown the most as a coach? Ooh, that is an interesting question. Um, hmm. What's he grown the most? Like, he's had so much success, right? Like, they've won the second most amount of games. Um, I would say I'm sure he's just, you know, is a little bit more comfortable um, just being a head coach at the NHL level. Not that he was ever uncomfortable, so that probably doesn't sound right because I don't think he was ever uncomfortable. Um, I, I think the next step in his evolution is going to have to be, you know, to kind of make the tougher decisions at certain times. Right, like in, in life for any parent, anybody else, any relationship, the toughest decisions are ultimately the right decision, and sometimes those are difficult. So um, I just think, you know, gaining more experience, uh, you look at him. I think we've seen him, and hopefully over time, he, he'll worry less about the things that don't matter when it comes to game preparation. 
I'm going to say the area he's grown the most is secrecy. It seems like he's he's less willing to give out certain things before games. He, like you said, he's had so much success as a head coach in his first two years with this team. Uh, hopefully it continues and they take that next step. Question number two. After some time to reflect, and we just had a Mike Wilmer on the show, do you think this season was a failure for the Jays, and what needs to change to take them to the next level? Well, you make the playoffs. I don't think it's a failure. Would they have liked to have gone farther? 100%. But um, to me, what has to change is their mentality as an organization. I thought Mike Wilner just outlined it perfectly. There seems to be a worse, smarter-than-everyone attitude within their management, and they have zero actual results to claim that. So to me, that has to change. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and I don't know how it changes, but the best players have to be the best players for this team. Bear, uh, Mike Willer kind of talked about Vladdy and, you know, calmed people down, but he, he's got to make uh, a few more plays, I think, for this team. Uh, Bo Bichette, they needed to get runners in when they had the opportunities and they couldn't do so. So I think uh, just uh, showing up when they really need themselves to do it and, and hopefully they're on the right path. Uh, question number three, Mario Lemieux celebrates his birthday today. In your opinion... How things have gone so far. Who's had the better career, Super Mario or Sid the Kid? Oh, man. Wow. Sid has one more Stanley Cup. He, you know, Lemieux probably had better individual numbers. Teams had better, uh, Sid's had better team numbers. Although I say that, and Sidney Crosby at the end of this season is most likely going to be, he's going to pass Paul Coffey, Mark Recchi, and Joe Thornton. Maybe even Ray Bork and move into 11th all time in points. And then next year he'll pass Phil Esposito and probably Joe Sackick. And then he'll be ninth behind Lemieux. Like you look at Crosby, I think he's got a chance to pass Lemieux. Now, Lemieux injuries, that's the thing, right? It's hard because, you know, and now Sid had a little bit of injuries early, obviously very different because it wasn't, uh, um, you know, cancerous. But. God, I might have to say at the end of it, it might be Crosby because health is part of your career. And uh, he'll end up, he's already played more games. He'll end up playing a significant amount more. Yeah, that's the way I was going to go as well. Also had the golden goal. I know Mario was a huge part of that 2002 Olympic team, but I think Sydney gets the edge with the cup. But you're right. Hard to say, especially with Lemieux having what he had to go through. Question number four, Chicago-Washington, a primetime game tonight, Thursday night football. It made me think, what is the worst possible game you could watch in the NFL? Which two teams going head-to-head would be the worst that you don't even want to watch it? Go ahead. Uh, I will go with, sorry, Strutty, the Giants and the Bengals right now. They're averaging under 12.5 points a game on each side. Uh, the Giants have absolutely no star power, which is pretty pretty upsetting to watch. You'd like to see something, especially with Saquon out right now. Uh, for the Bengals, it's just pathetic watching that offense. And I think Joe Burrow, I mean, if he can't make some of these plays, he might have to take some time off, get right before he gets back out there. But I'm going to go with the Bengals and the Giants. Well, you heard Joe today. He's not even he's not listed on the injured list. Said it's the first time that uh, his he's felt this good and uh, feels he's able to because a lot of times he wasn't able to plant his foot. So uh, right now that would be a good one. But I honestly I would still go the Giants and the Jets. <laughs> bad meet bad. Oh, you're not you're not on the Zach Wilson bandwagon for this week then, hey? Fantasy wise, not yet. No. <laughs> not okay. yet. Final question for you. It is World Teachers Day today. So, do you have a favorite teacher uh going back to your school days? Oh, man. I was lucky. I had way more good teachers than bad. Um I do remember the the few bad ones, but uh good one. I'm probably going to say well, I had Mr. Peltier 
in grade five. And uh, when I went to J.A. LaPointe in Beaumont, uh, we had, of course, our school was connected right to the arena. And so part of, you know, the gym class, we used to get to play hockey all the time. And just shinny. It was unbelievable. But uh, Serge Pelche was his name. And he, uh, you know, probably because he, he was like my first uh, regular male teacher that I had. And it was different. And, and now that I'm a dad and I read all these books about it, it's just they can relate different. Not better, just different. And so he challenged me in different ways, and I really enjoyed it. It was uh, it was a great year of school, uh, so Mr. Pelche for sure. And then uh, probably in high school would be uh, Madame Chofin, my assistant, or I guess, yeah, she was assistant principal. And uh, I did really bad on one math test, and she wrote on, and it was just a quiz, like a weekly quiz, and she wrote on, she goes, uh, it was an insult to her intelligence, <laughs> which is a really good line. But God, like that one stung. And it was it was such a good way of say she didn't say it was you know it was an embarrassment to her intelligence basically saying like take things more clearly and it kind of um, it hit me right where it should and so it was good motivation so I'll say Pelche in elementary and Madame Chofin in high school. Okay, well I gotta say my dad I think he was a teacher for a long time still involved in education so he he was pretty good helped me out with some of my social you know yeah, yeah. essays things of that nature but we had a teacher named Mister Irwin at Shep. Uh, English teacher, used to be a park ranger, and, you know, he, he would make the most boring subjects fun. He could just relate to the kids very well. So Mr. Irwin, for sure. And uh, I'll I'll always take a shot at Senorita Padovani for giving me 49% in Spanish 10, failing me by 1%. So <laughs> there's my oh, least favorite teacher of all time. Senorita, she, wasn't, she didn't like you. She, she wasn't buying it. No, oh, no. Geez. Couldn't ask for an extra point to get 50? Yeah, right? Give me the credits at least. I had a kid behind me that would always get sick. It was really hard to focus in class because he'd get up and leave and run to the bathroom. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I could not focus in that class because I always thought I was going to get puked on. Why didn't you just move seats? Oh, we were set in full class. Oh. I was locked in there. So, yeah. Tough one. What? It was. It was like a serial puker? I think so. I think so. I, I felt bad for the guy because every, like, four out of five days of the week he would get up and have to run to the bathroom. Really? Puerto Albano. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. Yeah. Oof, serial puker. That's never good. No, definitely not. Did you guys call him the up-chucker? Oh, we didn't really call him anything. Oh. I hope he's okay. Oh, oh, yeah, you'd hope so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I'm sure everybody has, like, a favorite teacher, and they probably have a, a, a least favorite teacher as well. Let's get to uh, the con man and a sports 1440 update brought to you by Edmonton Kubota. And they are celebrating the return of sports talk radio right here on sports 1440 by offering 0% financing on 84 months for all compact BX tractors. Shop online at edmontonkubota.com.